Welcome to Greg Kelly Reports. I'm Eric Bowling, filling in for Greg this week. We have a great show lined up for you tonight. Check this out. Senator Ron Johnson, he's going to be here. Former Trump senior advisor Corey Lewandowski will be here. And California gubernatorial candidate Caitlyn Jenner. You're not going to want to miss this. They'll be here and so much more. President Trump spent the day at the U.S. southern border, but not just some photo op friendly place at, along the border. He was joined by Texas Governor Abbott at the Rio Grande Valley, where there's a massive border and humanitarian crisis underway. Now, fair warning, these next few images may be very disturbing. This heartbreaking image of an abandoned two-year-old was released today by the National Immigration Institute. Take a look at that. Look at the trash scattered all around that poor child. Cars and trucks whizzing by. Two-year-old, folks, a two-year-old. What in God's name can be going through that baby's mind? Biden's border crisis. Listen to that. It's Biden's border crisis. And who can forget this little boy, just five years old, abandoned, discarded by coyotes who fled the scene. Total disregard for this child's well-being. <laughs> Biden's border crisis, five-year-old child left abandoned. Or the tens of thousands of illegal immigrants packed into the cargo areas of trucks. These scenes look more like cattle than human beings. Biden's border crisis. And those overcrowded border camps, people crammed into tiny spaces, sometimes even in cages. Again, Biden's border crisis. I'm calling it Biden's border crisis because that's exactly what it is, folks. It's a crisis, no doubt about that. It's happening at the border. And most importantly, it all started when Joe Biden was sworn into the Oval Office. Biden was sworn in on January 20th of this year. Since January, border apprehensions have skyrocketed with over 100,000 each month. And get this, the last three months have all been higher than 170,000 apprehensions each individual month. That's a whopping 6,000 illegal apprehensions per day. Now, just think about that for a minute. And that's just the ones who were caught. I can't even imagine the number of illegal crossings in any given day if you add up all the ones who weren't caught. Again, Biden's border, cross, Biden's border crisis. And in order to do a fair and unbiased analysis of who is to blame for this influx, we should do some simple math. So let's take a look at 2020, for example. The same period last year, we saw a tiny fraction of the border apprehensions from this year. So in March of last year, 34,000. April of last year, 17,000. May of last year, 23,000. That means last year, there were 74,000 total apprehensions in the months March through May. Total. Now, I want to take a guess at the number of border apprehensions under Biden this year, comparing the exact same three-month period. Well, let's do the math. 530,000 border apprehensions in the same period. That's an unsubstantiated, unsustainable 715% increase. Can't keep doing it, folks. It's simple math. So this is 100% on Biden. You can't argue with the facts or the math. Even if they send Kamala Harris to the El Paso border for a photo op, and if you don't think that's what it was, take a look at this. El Paso is almost 800 miles from the heart of the immigration problem, the Rio Grande Valley.
That's where the vast majority of illegal crossings happen, not El Paso. Ms. Harris only spent 90 minutes in El Paso with most of her time in the airport and not at the border. And she treated it like a joke. Okay, nothing funny about that, Madam Vice President. And finally, the El Paso trip was a brief stop on her way to her vacation home in California. After leaving El Paso, Kamala Harris jetted off to California to spend the weekend with the first gentleman, Doug Emhoff. Oh, thanks for trying, Madam VP. You get an F for effort, though. One final thought, if you don't like the math, some don't. Personally, I love math. But anyway, the math isn't your thing, perhaps. Liberals, and you don't believe me that this is a Biden border crisis? Just take a look at this. An illegal caravan, one of many since Biden took office, with the illegal immigrants wearing a uniform of sorts, Biden T-shirts. So if you still don't believe me, and you don't believe your liberal lying eyes, how about you hear it directly from the horse's mouth, as the saying goes? I just want patience and pass that we can get to the U.S. because they're having a new president. Where's Biden? He's going to help all the rest. Like I said, it's a Biden border crisis, period. You heard it directly from that man right there. So where Trump built a wall, Biden built a superhighway. Come on in. Where Trump put a cease and desist order on illegal things, Biden puts a welcome sign up at the border and to criminals rampaging through our streets. Time to stand up to this lawlessness, though. Time to take back America, folks. And no one says it better than President Trump himself. In his newest op-ed, he says, quote, I built the wall. Biden built a humanitarian catastrophe. Let's bring in Newsmax's White House correspondent, Emerald Robinson, who's down at the border in McAllen, Texas, with President Trump and got to talk to him not long ago, one-on-one. -on -one. Emerald, how are things going down there? Yeah. Well, you know, they've got a little bit of, uh, of some problems down here, Eric, as you might have heard something about, but not really from the Biden White House. In fact, I asked uh, President Trump, uh, the 45th president, how he managed to find the southern border, given that Vice President Kamala Harris, who is the de facto border czar, had uh, not managed to do so, stopping shy of about 800 miles north of here, where there's really not as much of a crisis. And look, I've spent some time talking to a lot of law enforcement officials here from uh, Texas, particularly in the McAllen area, and they say the situation is just getting more and more dire, even though the Biden administration acts like they have it under control. Keep in mind that even mainstream media outlets are now reporting uh, a little more about the ramifications of this porous border that is increasingly more porous under the Biden administration, uh, that the amount of drugs coming in across the border is up a whopping fentanyl, up at 4,000 percent over 2018 numbers. Mm -hmm. And then migrant children are surging once again. They dipped for just a little bit after April, but they're back up to over 500 migrant children a day. And they're trying to push those through the system really fast, those children, so that they're not, they don't have the optics of holding them in uh, uh, CBP custody or in HHS for very long. But they've, they've lowered the standards 
for people right. who could be guardians for these children. And I talked to one yep. sheriff here today who has a heart particularly for the children, and he said, look, that's concerning because yeah. there's trafficking. Emerald, I was, I was struck by the first thing that came out of that, that first speaker's mouth. I believe it was a sheriff or someone who worked in the sheriff's office. I don't think it was Border Patrol, but they thanked President Trump first and foremost, and that kept going on and yeah. on. Very quickly, just give us a sense. I mean, you, you, we saw, we're watching video of President walking around. The guy... It seems to have an endless supply of energy to do these things. It's juxtaposed that to what's going on in D.C. right now. I know. I, I cover the Biden White House, and I covered President Trump for four years. There's a marked difference in the amount of energy that both of those men have now. President Trump's doing great. He has lots of energy. He's, you know, he's as charismatic as ever and in and, and good spirits. So I did note to him, he is a little more subdued in his appearances now that we're seeing him out there again. And I asked him why. And, uh, you know, he's doing well, but I think he is very concerned about what he's seeing out there, particularly when it comes to right. border pol policy, which was one of his signature issues right. as you, president. You know what it is, Emerald? You start slow and you build up to, to the grand finale, which may happen somewhere around. It's a, it's a, it's, that's true. It's a ways November. away, right? <laughs> first week, first Tuesday in November of 22, and then then it will explode into something yeah. completely different. Newsmax White House correspondent Emerald. I asked Robinson. him if it was Trump's this for 2024, and he he did laugh at that. He wouldn't give me that, but he did laugh. No, we're gonna get it one of these days and find out one way or the other. Thank you, Emerald. Appreciate your time. <laughs> yeah, thanks. All right, coming up. Olympic athlete Gwen Berry speaks out after causing quite the uproar over the weekend. I never said that I hated the country. Never said that. I respect my people enough to not stand or acknowledge something that disrespects them. Did you get that? She said the flag was disrespecting her. Anyway, all right, former President Trump had something to say about General Mark Milley's woke testimony. All that coming up next. Real heroes. Real conflict. Real threats. Real heart. Now, there's a place America gets its news. Newsmax. We're real news for real people. Millions are turning off the old channels. And switching to Newsmax, the fastest growing cable news channel in America. No agenda. No spin. Just the facts. Millions watches. So can you. Newsmax. We're real news for real people. As you know, today was a big day as Trump headed down to the U.S.-Mexico border in McAllen alongside Texas Governor Greg Abbott. I'd like to bring in our next guest, Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, to discuss Trump's trip today and more. Senator, thank you for joining us. Right guy, right time, Senate Homeland Security Committee. Sir, your thoughts about that trip to the border today? Well, I'm, I'm glad the president, uh, the ex-president went because the vice president uh, didn't really see the border, didn't really see the crisis, and of course that was planned. Uh, they certainly didn't want to bring the press down with her where they could see the crisis and have to report on it. So this has been a huge cover-up. This crisis has been caused by the Biden administration by dismantling the successful programs. We've been averaging about 6,000 people per day mm -hmm. being apprehended. That's, that's a large caravan a day. Uh, about 1,000 getaways that we know about don't have any idea how many people are getting away that we don't know about. That huge opens up huge lanes of traffic for uh, illegal drugs and sex trafficking and everything else. And this is a disaster. But the, the administration's covering it up. They say they're getting better, like they're making progress. All they're getting better at is processing and dispersing 
illegal uh, immigrants throughout the country. This, this is a disaster. Important, important distinction right there. Processing and dispersing illegal Im immigrants throughout the country. So every senator should be concerned about what's going on at the U.S. border. It doesn't seem like uh, everyone is quite on board. So you, you mentioned human trafficking. You mentioned drugs. There's another issue, I think, that, that may be close to home for you. Um, COVID, right? So don't we also have to worry about people coming across the border carrying diseases like COVID and others? Well, we do, but the administration doesn't. Uh, they full know well. They know full well exactly what uh, is coming across that border, and they're just ignoring it. They want the press and the media to ignore it. And so, no, again, this is a huge problem. But uh, I guess if there's not cameras at it, if uh, you know, you can't show a video of it uh, for the American public, uh, they're just, you know, kept out of the loop and they're not aware of it. Numbers are staggering, Senator. I, I talked a little bit about it in the A block. Um, the three prior months, same time last year under President Trump, the total number for the three months of border apprehension, 73,000 plus or minus 1,000. This period uh, under Biden, the same period, 530,000, a 700% increase. Where are these people going? All over the country. Some are being returned, but that's because of Title 42. And when that ends... I have no idea how many people will be uh, let into this country. And they're, they're being let in without even notice to appear in many cases. They're, they're uh, literally, this administration is asking people who probably have an invalid asylum claim to turn themselves in voluntarily to an ICE station to go through an adjudication process that they know will not be successful. It, they live in fantasy land. But this is a huge national security and homeland security issue. All right, Control, throw up that, that map of where Vice President Kamala Harris decided to go El Paso, Texas. Look how far away from it is, as you point out, Senator, way down in McAllen, Texas, where in, in the real Grand Valley, where the real problems are happening. 790 miles. What do you think the reason for that, that was? Well, again, it was so that the, the press wouldn't accompany her and be shown the actual crisis. But, uh, you know, the, the Biden administration, they've done these no-bid contracts for hotel rooms. Uh, they're already well on their way to making sure that uh, there are no videos of, for example, the Donna uh, Texas facility where we saw all those kids clumped together in those little, little closing areas. So, again, this administration is just hiding the ball, and the press is playing along with them. All right, we're going to leave it right there. Senator Ron Johnson from Wisconsin, thank you very much for your time. And, by the way, if you don't know, Senator's been all over the COVID and some of the reaction to some of the vaccines that have been going on. Senator, we really appreciate your time. Have a great day. Let's bring in chairman of the MAGA Action Super PAC and former Trump 2020 senior advisor and 2016 campaign manager, Corey Lewandowski. Corey, welcome back. Good to be with you again, my friend. Thanks for having me, Eric. You know, Eric, I've watched your monologue, and I have to tell you, as an American, my heart goes out to those young kids who are being just left at the border. You know, these two-year-olds we see abandoned, the five-year-olds who are just left there, the human trafficking that goes on. When is it we're going to have accountability from this administration for making things right? Look, we're a nation of laws, but as parents, as someone who, you know, has to see those images, as an American, we need to do better, and we need to let people know that you come to this country legally, and when you do that, we're going to help you. But abandoning children is not the solution, Eric. Corey, t talk to us. Why, why is there such a, a, a vast and, and really pronounced difference between the Trump administration's handling of the border and immigration and, and the Biden administration? What's, what's behind it? I mean, surely we can't say Democrats don't have feelings for two-year-olds and five-year-olds, do we? 
No, we don't. I don't think that's the case at all. Look, what 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 President Trump put in place was a policy which was very similar to what Canada has in place, which is very similar to what Australia has in place. It's called a merit-based immigration system. You know, Eric, before Donald Trump came in, we were basically the only country in the world that said, if you step foot in our country, whether you came here illegally or not, we'd give you a path to citizenship. That doesn't happen anywhere else. But the left, you know, they don't want us to follow the rules. They don't want to understand what's really going on. And what the left's policies have done now is by saying that we're going to open up our borders and not secure the country that we've taken an oath to defend is they're encouraging people to make this treacherous journey through Central America, through Mexico to come here. We see the human trafficking that's going on. We see the drugs that are being brought forth. We see the pillage and the carnage that continues to take place. That doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help the people who are trying to make the voyage and it sure doesn't help the Americans. So we need to do better. And the way you do that is you close the border and you tell people if you wanna to come to this country, we welcome you with open arms, but you have to do it through the right path. You know, great point, Corey. We, we let in, I think last year, 1.2 million people every year in excess of a million legal immigrants. And we need that. We need that to support our economy. We need that to support our healthcare system. I get that, but this illegal, the, opening the door to, to almost like enticing people to come over. I showed videotape of, of people wearing Biden t-shirts coming to caravans wearing Biden t-shirts coming to the border because they're, they're looking for, for the free meal ticket. They're looking for, hey, it's better there than it is here. Let me go over there. That's not the way you do it. That, that, and then, by the way, and, and touch on this a little bit, you're risking people's lives. We showed the pictures of the two-year-old, the, the video of the five-year-old crying. People come here trying to cross the border, not knowing the dangerous trek they may have or what, what's in store for them with some of these coyotes and drug runners. Remember what Donald Trump used to say on the campaign trail, Eric? He said, I'm going to build a big, beautiful wall, but in the middle of that wall, we're going to have a door. And we're going to let the right people in because we want immigration. We want legal immigration because we're a country of immigrants. But we're not just going to allow the borders to be open, to be poured in, uh, to have people come in not knowing what diseases they bring, whether it's COVID-19 or others. And look, the real issue here is the human trafficking and the sexual assault that takes place. Mm -hmm. We've seen reports that as many as one third of the women from as, as young as nine or 10 years old all the way until adulthood are being raped as they come through uh, Central America and Mexico to try and make this treacherous journey. We know that people are dying out in the desert for lack of water. We see what's happening in the back of some of these vehicles where they're being stuck in there like cattle with hundreds of people in the back of these trailers and people are dying because yeah. of the heat. Look, we have to let people know, we'll let you come into the country if you do so legally. But if you try and do it illegally, yeah. you're gonna be stopped. And Mexico was a great partner of ours under the Trump administration because they put their troops on the border because Donald Trump said, if you don't help us control this problem, we're gonna put tariffs on your products right. and that's gonna hurt you uh, in an economic capacity. Corey, so they understood that and we had a great partnership. Corey, before we let you go, you know, one thing that I noticed today watching the screens, we have a bunch of screens on the wall here at Newsmax. I noticed that we were taking, Newsmax was, was taking the border uh, trip by Trump and, and Abbott full from the beginning, start to finish, but Fox, well, they didn't. They're very busy covering the Bill Cosby th story. Your thoughts? You know, Eric, it's not surprising to me anymore. Look, when Donald Trump, who forced Kamala Harris to get to the border, if it wasn't for him, she never would have gone. What Greg Abbott is doing in Texas right now by having the National Guard down there, Ron DeSantis, Christy Nome, sending the Guard troops down there to close the southern border is something that should be on every single news channel. But it only seems to be a select few that are actually covering the most worthy news of the day. I don't think Americans care that Bill Cosby is getting out of jail, but I do think they care that illegals are pouring across the border and they should have been covering this event. No patriotic Americans. I would, I would agree with you on that one. Corey, thank you so much for your time. Corey Lewandowski, everybody.
Thank you. Look, we, we've made mistakes. I, I have made mistakes, but we own them. We learn from them, and we never stop trying. After all, that's, that's the California spirit. California spirit. That's a good one, Governor. We won't forget your mistakes, Gavin Newsom. California deserves better than him, and we have the perfect person for that job. Stay with us. But before we go, we would like to take a moment here to send our condolences to the family and friends of former Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld. Rumsfeld served under two presidents, both former President Gerald Ford and George W. Bush. Secretary Rumsfeld died Tuesday. He was 88. It's our America. We built it. Courage. Freedom. Millions go to Newsmax when they need to know. Start today on the free Newsmax app. Newsmax is real news for real people. There's no doubt that Governor Newsom is destroying California. We've seen how he's handled the pandemic and turned his back on his citizens, requiring them to shelter in place while he enjoyed expensive dinners at French Laundry with family and friends and others. That state is in need of a breath of fresh air, and we know who is completely fit for the job. Now we need leaders who are unafraid to leap to new heights. Who are unafraid to challenge and to change the status quo. Let's bring in California gubernatorial candidate, Caitlyn Jenner. Caitlyn, thank you so much for spending some time with me. Really appreciate. Let me ask you this. How you doing? They say politics is a blood sport and, and running for a governor's seat in, in, in the largest state in the union is blood sportish. How you doing? Well, I am doing just fine. It's very different being on the inside of politics than I've always <laughs> kind of been on the outside. But um, it's been a very positive experience. Um, you know, I took on the Soviet Union back in 1976. There was the biggest athletic power in the world, and I was able to win. Now I want to go to Sacramento, and I want to take on this teachers union and win for your kids. Um, there's a lot of work to be done, but I am, I'm up for it. Um, I'm really kind of enjoying this. Yeah, they're going to take some shots at me, but I can handle it. So you're there in California. I'm here in another liberal state, New York. Taxes are raging out of control here. What, do you, what, are your, what is your platform for the state of California? Um, we have to develop a tax uh, system here in California because we're like the most tax state, the most regulated state. Mm -hmm. Actually, as a friendly business environment, they did this survey. And out of 50 states, California was number 49. Thank you, New Jersey. They were the only ones ahead of us. Um, we have to uh, improve and do a better job. Um, it's so important that we get competitive with other states. 18,000 companies have left California, and they've left for one reason. They didn't leave because of the beaches. They didn't leave for the you know, Yosemite. They left because of high taxes and high regulations. We have to develop a system here in California where... Um, uh, we have to be competitive with other states. I never see California going to a, a zero corporate tax rate like, you know, Florida or Texas, but we can be competitive. And, you know, we have the greatest resources in the world here. Um, people don't mind paying a little bit something in taxes, but it has to be competitive with the other states. We cannot continue to lose businesses and lose residents. We lost a congressional seat this last year because we got less people living here. 
um, we have to stop uh, yeah, people the are exodus. People are fleeing California. California. High tax states, California and, and, and Illinois and even New York yeah. and pickups in Florida and Texas, as you point out, also in, in, in South Carolina, where I tend to live. So they're, they're switching gears a little bit. You know, we have the right person in the right seat for this story that's been all the rage all week. Um, Gwen Berry, she's an Olympic uh, hammer thrower, right? And she was a bronze medalist yeah. trying to, to get to the, to the Olympics, representing the United States. She caught a lot of heat for turning away and showing some pictures right now. She turned away from the, from the flag on the national while the national anthem was being played. Let me just set this up a little bit. Gwen Berry claims that it was uh, disrespectful to her that the committee played the national anthem when she was about to be on the podium like they were supposed to somehow know that crybaby Gwen Berry was going to be upset by the playing of the national anthem of her country. Take a look, listen to how she describes what was going through her mind at the time. I never said that I didn't want to go to the Olympic Games. That's why I competed and got third and made the team. I never said that I hated the country. Never said that. All I said was, I respect my people enough to not stand or acknowledge something that disrespects them. I love my people, point blank, period. You get that? It was the committee's fault for disrespecting Gwen Berry, the bronze, the third place finisher, for, by playing the national anthem of the country she represents. I'd love you to weigh in on that. Honestly, it's disgusting. Um, I love this country, I love this state. Um, I was the first person ever to put the American flag up at the finish line in 1976, and I'm very proud of that because I'm proud of my country. I'm, I'm proud that my country gave me the opportunity to grow up to be who I am. Um, I don't like political statements on the podium. Uh, we shouldn't do that. This is the greatest gathering of of people and countries in the world. Over 200 countries will be at the Olympic Games. There's only 150-something countries in the UN, and it has such potential for good. Don't destroy it. Uh, be honest with you, uh, we don't have a worry in the world that she'll be on the podium there because she got third there. The other two girls ahead of her are so much better, and there's other ones throughout the world in the ha in the hammer throw. So I think that was kind of her last hurrah. You know, I, I, I know. let's throw up. We have a full screen, a side by side from Wen Barry at a prior event, holding up the flag. There's a before and after. You know, what do you suppose happened there? What happened in those years between when she was very, very patriotic, very respectful of the flag, the country, and the anthem, to this past week when she decided to hold up a, a, an activist athlete T-shirt in one of the most hallowed moments, surely, of her career? Athletes should be in there to run, to represent themselves and their greatness and their talent and represent the country uh, in a dignified way. Uh, I don't like any of that stuff. I was in the, when all of this started, I was in the village in 1972 uh, when terrorists came in and took the Israeli athletes hostage. I saw one of the terrorists. It happened in the build, building next to me. I hated it. I was so ticked off that they're using my platform, this great thing called the Olympics, for their own political gain. It shouldn't happen at the games. You know, there, there's another athlete, and uh, she's a BMX alternate who March of 
last year, I believe, she posted something on Facebook saying that if she won, she was looking forward to be on the podium so she could burn the American flag. Kayla, I'm just trying to figure out what goes on. How did sports become the political or the, the activist statement platform in, in the country? How, it was supposed to be shielded from all that, wasn't it? I don't know how it's come. I, athletes have kind of just gotten full of themselves and they want to make, you know, we were just talking earlier about wokeness in the military. It's like everybody's gone this woke thing. Um, get out there. You're an athlete. Participate. Do the best you possibly can. Show your talents. Uh, stay out of politics. Uh, don't use this great forum um, uh, for your own political gain. Um, but out here in California, honestly, we have more issues than this right now. Right, right. We right. have a terrible immigration. Right. Yeah, a terrible immigration problem on our border. Um, it really, and it needs to be fixed, and Gavin Newsom isn't doing anything about it. Just recently, we had a couple of decisions by the Supreme Court, which were actually in our favor. One, and it was a nine to zero um, uh, vote that if you come in under the TAPS program, the Temporary Protected Status Program, that you cannot get citizenship, that's good. They also uh, agreed the other day on uh, if um, you cannot receive bond if, uh, if you're in this state illegally and get arrested. Um, yeah, you have no ba uh, bond hearing. So that is all good. It helps us a lot because in California, when I'm governor, I want to Close our southern border down. We have to finish the wall. That's interesting. Bottom you know line. Yeah, I, I think that's fascinating. California, a California governor or a candidate for California governor recommending closing the southern border. I think that's music to any, any conservative's ears yes. in California and probably independence. I mean, let's be honest. For you to win, you're going to need that independent vote. Is that popular in California? Yeah, well, uh, the border is a big issue. Immigration is a big issue here in this state. Uh, yes, we have to alter use state funds uh, on state land to be able to close the border down. We have to do that. Um, if you are arrested in this state and you are here illegally, you're out of here. Yeah. Uh, we have a lot of great people who have come to this country yeah. uh, from the south who are great people. Well, you, you, you do They've this. They've been here 10, Caitlin, 20 years. Caitlin. And with our, 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 yeah, our immigration system is so difficult, they can't get their citizenship. But they're great people. I want those to be able to get, be able to get um, at, uh, status in this country, legal status in this country, so they can stay. They are an integral part of our sure. economy here in Southern Cal in California sure. and an intricate part of our culture here. So the good ones, I would like to be able to stay, but you know the bad ones, they got to go. We have to be tough on immigration here in the state. Wow. Music to our ears. Caitlyn Jenner, gubernatorial candidate for the state of California. Thank you so much for joining us. It was my pleasure. Go California, CaitlynJenner.com. Join in, donate, follow us. Uh, we're fighting a big fight out here. Caitlin, we're going into the bluest of blue states. Ka yes. CaitlynJenner.com. Go check it out. And by the way, don't, don't hate me, but I haven't been keeping up with the Kardashians. Appreciate your time, Caitlin, as always. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's over with. I'm moving on to governor. There you go. Good luck. Good luck, my friend. Okay, by the way, I want to point this out. Greg is on vacation this week. He will be back again next week. But coming up on the show, President Biden is ready to spend 
trillions of dollars on infrastructure, and Nancy Pelosi is at it again with yet another probe. We have the latest coming up next. Information. Truth. Is freedom. Is Newsmax. It's real news for real people. Have you checked out the Newsmax Daily Podcast with me, Rob Carson? You get daily news, insightful commentary, and believe it or not, comedy. Check it out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or at NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast. As Biden is looking to spend $6 trillion on infrastructure, which is Mo money, Nancy Pelosi and the far left is stirring the pot, causing Mo problems. And with that, we bring in Alabama Congressman Mo Brooks. <laughs> Join us. I love that. I, just, I love that intro. <laughs> we worked on it all day just to let you know. Uh, Congressman, you know, I, before we get to, to what's going on in D.C., I, I, I'm just blown away by something I saw about a week ago. Jim Acosta from CNN, who is clearly in the pocket of the left, and, and, and they're all about this. It's all about just uh, accosting Republican members of Congress. I couldn't believe this. Watch this roll a soundbite of, of what happened. Well, can I ask you, do you still believe Antifa already, was behind I've January 6th? i what I'm going to say. I don't trust you all to be truthful or honest. Well, can you tell us if you regret what you said on January 6th? I do 6th? not trust CNN to be truthful or honest, so I do uh, not. Well, I'm just asking you CNN. questions. I'm asking you fair questions here, sir. Why can't you answer the question? I do not trust you all to be truthful or well, honest with anything it's CNN on, does. It's on video. If you can just talk to us from... Great job, first of all. Number one, ride the bike to Congress. That's amazing. Thank you for that. The country thanks you for that. But second of all, are you, are you, do you have to be constantly accosted by these Acosta types? Well, unfortunately, we do get accosted a lot by these Acosta types. And sometimes they don't realize that we're busy people. We have other meetings to attend to, hearings, uh, briefings, uh, whatever the case may be. But CNN has shown itself to be wholly void of truth and accuracy in their reportings from my uh, standpoint. And probably the last straw that broke the camel's back was when they accused my wife of lying about uh, Eric Swalwell's teammate unlawfully entering my house. We ended up getting an arrest warrant. We had video that showed him unlawfully uh, engaging in trespass in our house. And CNN was still running stories saying that my wife wasn't telling the truth. So at some point, you just got to say these people are so dishonest, they're, they're just propaganda merchants, don't have anything to do with them. You and know, I don't, and I wish viewers would ignore them too. Congressman, uh, Nancy Pelosi announced uh, late this afternoon that she was uh, developing a, a, yet another commission to investigate what happened on January 6th. We have the FBI investigating, there's a Senate group uh, investigating, now the House. What, what do you say to, to, to Leader Pelosi? Well, Speaker Pelosi is trying to politicize what happened on and before January 6th to the nth degree in order to try to maximize the Democrats' chances of winning the 2022 elections. Well, it's not going to make any difference. They're going to lose the House, and they're probably going to lose the Senate. But nonetheless, they are grasping at straws now to try to divert public attention from what the Democrats are doing on Capitol Hill. And quite frankly, what they're doing is abysmal. Uh, by way of example, they don't even seem to know the difference between a man and a woman, where they're willing to allow a man who pretends to be a woman to compete in college athletics, taking playing time and scholarships from women. I thought that was settled science. 
That's just one thing that they're trying to divert public attention from. And now most recently with this so-called infrastructure plan where babysitting is now infrastructure or what have it that they want people to come up with. People infrastructure. And they never talk about how they're going to pay for Somehow it. Somehow. We don't have the money. People infrastructure, food infrastructure, everything's infrastructure. Some way to get to, to spend $6 trillion of, of our money. Um, do you think, do you think you're going to get the opportunity to sign on to the infrastructure portion of the deal only and leaving the $4 trillion extra dollars that, that they're looking for to spend on everything else aside. It seems like Pelosi doesn't even want to bring that to the floor. We still have to come up with the money to pay for it. So until we have the money to pay for it, I'm voting against it, period. We are in a very dangerous situation with approaching a $30 trillion debt. We're going to blow through it sometime this year. And we're at risk of putting a great nation through a national insolvency and bankruptcy that would devastate our economy. And if you follow the cascading economic effects of a central government bankruptcy and insolvency, then you're also looking at millions of Americans losing their lives. This is serious stuff that we're talking about. And these folks in Washington now just act like money's Growing on trees, yep. all you got to do is pluck the leaf off, and lo and behold, it's a $100 yep. Benjamin. Yep. Well, that's not real life, and unfortunately, we're going to pay a hefty price at some point in time. And so I'm not going for any of these spending bills where we don't have the money, we have to borrow to get it, we can't afford to pay it back, and it risks the insolvency of a great nation, the United States of America. All righty. More money, more problems, more Brooks. Thank you, Congressman. <laughs> Thank you. And I personally find it offensive that we are accusing the United States military, our general officers, our commissioned, non-commissioned officers of being, quote, woke. That was General Mark Milley during his heated testimony last week about the military going woke. General Milley believes critical race theory should be taught in the military and wants to learn about it more. But do these things really have a place in the U.S. military? Should the military go woke? I certainly don't think so. But let's ask someone else joining us now, Florida Congressman and U.S. Army veteran Brian Mass. Congressman, thank you for your service, first and foremost. So tell us about this new push by the military, or at least by Milley, to find out. To, I think he, at one point he said, I want to explore white uh, anger, I believe. He's rage, white rage, I believe that's what it was. Honestly, I'm not surprised, and I'm not surprised in this way, right? You have unified government under Democrats, and you look at the military climate, and you can look at it, and you can say, this is everything that the left hates and wants to get rid of. Number one, the military is first and foremost, it's a gun culture. You're evaluated on your proficiency in shooting. If you don't think they hate that, they despise that. Number two, it's always been a place that's best man, best woman for the job. Doesn't matter any minority status that you can reach. Or, you know, when you talk about wokeness, they want to talk about an institutional injustice that's going on. That doesn't exist in the military. It's best person for the job. They don't like to see that happening. Beyond that, it's this traditional place of strength strength and toughness, which they absolutely despise. They would call it toxic masculinity. So, of course, they're trying to take this, put a label on it that says, uh, you know, listen, it's white rage or it's this or it's this because they want to fundamentally get rid of that. It's the last place in our government that you have true best person for the job. And they don't want to see that.
You know who else doesn't want to see? They don't want the, 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 the threats, the real threats to U.S. national security. I'm thinking Russia. I'm thinking China, who wants to be the world's superpower in everything, finance, but certainly military as well. I'm thinking North Korea. I'm also thinking the mullahs in Iran. I think they all are thrilled with Milley. Can we pull up that soundbite control of Milley talking about white rage? Take a listen to this. I want to understand white rage, and I'm white, and I want to understand it. So what is it that caused thousands of people to assault this building and try to overturn the Constitution of the United States of America? Where's he going with this, Congressman? Look, they want to believe that that fundamentally or rather want to instill that fundamentally there are white people that believe this and that there are black people that believe this and there are Hispanic people that believe this. They want to put us in our buckets and they want to use that sir, as a sir, political allow, tool. Allow me. And now they're using I, I, the military to do it. That's my there's my question. I know the left wants to do that. It's, it's a common it's Solinsky said divide and conquer. I know the left wants to do that as well. But the military, it's always it felt like it's always been more of a. I know they were on our side, the conservative side. We backed them. They, we it always felt conservative. Millie sounds like a, a, a flaming liberal right there. But that's exactly why the military is the battleground, because they know that it is a place that can uh, that attracts conservative ideology based upon the way that you're supposed to function in the military as a functioning unit that can go out there and defend our country. You have to be strong. You have to be tough. You have to be able to shoot. You have to be able to take orders. You have to be able to work with people from every single background, no matter how many pennies you have in your pocket, whether you went to a, a prestigious institution or barely got a GED, you have to be able to work with everybody under the most austere possible conditions in order to get the job done. No excuses whatsoever. That is what they despise, and that's why they have to put this label on it, that there's something going on wrong there, that, that we haven't been able to conduct military operations in an incredible way for the last 20 years and, and, and try to bring our, our men and women home in the best possible way, uh, you know, never leaving one of our men behind, but try to layer something on that, that something's been going wrong, mm -hmm. and that's not the truth. Very quickly, before we go, pull up the, uh, the, the full screen of President Trump's co comments about this exact topic. General Milley ought to resign and be replaced with someone who's actually willing to defend our military from the leftist radicals who hate our country and our flag. Final thought, about 30 seconds, sir. Listen, our men and women, they go out there and they lay it all on the line. Wokeness needs to be the last thing that they worry about. It's got to be training. It's got to be functionality. It's got to be creating that environment and maintaining that environment that if you go out there and you do everything for your country, you're going to be considered that best person for the job. And we can't remove that. We can't take that out of the military. That's my final thought on this. Military, They're going to destroy it. If military they do it. veteran and Congressman Brian Mass of Florida, thank you so much. All the best. So have you seen Biden's press conferences lately? He's picked up a new habit, and it's kind of creepy, if you ask me. We'll show you what we're talking about when we come back. They're going to be getting checks in the mail that are consequential this week for child care. I wrote the bill. Pay them more. This is an employee's, employee's bargaining chip now. What's happening? Hey, guys. I think it's time to give ordinary people a tax break. The wealthier doing fine. I'm in for Greg all week. He's on vacation. I'll be here tomorrow. Nikki Haley's going to join us. Good night, everybody.